Hello and welcome to Open All Ours, the QPR podcast. This is our third podcast of the season and there is a list as long as my arm of stuff to talk about. I'm David Fraser. There are four of us here tonight. Um, co-founder of the QPR podcast and birthday boy, <laughs> Paul Finney. 49. Come on. Um, really? Uh, yeah, I just had a hard pip around. 49 plus VAT. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Happy birthday, Paul. Thank you. Next year I'm 50, and then that's it. What did you get? I actually got a really good present, actually. Go on. A trip to Prague. Did you? Yeah, in December, so I'm quite pleased with that. With? Uh, the family. Lovely. Mm-hmm. That is very, Sadly, very they nice. have to come. Oh, that's nice. So I'm going to go out there, and, and, and I'm, I'm missing the Reading game, so I'm a terrible supporter. But, well, you know... I Justified, that. I think. I got that, the gluten-free hamper, so there's a tick off your list. Very good. Bingo. Ding. Nothing from Northern Ireland, and uh, nothing. Yeah, it was good, thank, and thank you for all the birthday messages I had on Twitter. It's very kind of you people to waste your time thanking me when you've got better things to do. But anyway, Happy thanks. birthday, Paul. No, thank you. When's your birthday, David? It was. I was with you on my birthday, actually. I didn't mention it, which is very unusual for me. It was uh, the 24th of July. I share mine with Madonna. Can you see the resemblance? I share mine with Jim Layton. Oh, Anthony Roberts. Remember him? Yes. And Martin, Ke- and Martin Keown and Jennifer Lopez. Well, my, mine's, mine's, mine's Madonna and Tony Roberts are a goalkeeper. Steve Sace is also here. Hello. Good evening. Hello, Steve of Independent Ours. What, who do you share your birthday with? I honestly don't know. Oh, come on. You must know. Uh, I don't, I don't okay. to be honest. G- give me your birth date and in a lull not, in the I'm show. I'm not saying I'm it go- publicly. I'm <laughs> go- no, your birth date. <laughs> oh, um... And I'm going to look up who you share your birthday with. Okay. okay. Who is it? What is it? Uh, it's. Oh, you don't uh, want to actually say. I don't say. actually want to actually say. Okay, <laughs> write it down on that piece of paper. Right, okay. Um, fine. And. We're uh, not going to stalk you. Flo Lloyd Hughes, here for her first podcast. Welcome. Thank you very much. And who, you, who do you share your birthday with? I share my birthday with Martina Natrovchilova. Okay, that's and, a good one. Uh, the character of Ross from Friends, but not. The actor, just the character. Just the character. Yeah. That's quite good. Yeah. Very good. Those are the only two, I think there's more, but those are the only two I can, I can remember. So characters from sitcoms have birthdays. Well, yeah, because he actually mentions it, it on the show twice. That's why I remember. But I don't know what, what um, David Schwimmer's actual birthday is. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, only because he mentioned it. it wasn't I hate weird... that program, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> my, my daughter and, and, and niece will be mad watching it all the flipping time. I hate it, hate it, hate it. There was a thing last week, I know this is a QPR podcast, that it's still the most, it's the most popular show on Netflix. Yeah, I saw that. Because it's only, after it's finished, it's only recently years. entered what, Netflix. years after it finished? Yeah, is that right? I listened to the same radio show. Yes, you were. Okay, right. Should we get on with the QPR stuff? Oh, 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 uh, Steve uh, has subsequently Googled. With, uh, uh, Caroline Flack and Cisco. Okay. <laughs> very, very, very good. Very good. Um, so, yeah. Excellent. Steve Cisco says. I don't wear thongs. No, thanks for that. Always good to know. So, there's loads to talk about. Plus, we've got an interview which is with... Now, Steve corrected me earlier on Twitter. I said it was with one of our worst ever players, and he said, that's potentially not true. It's just one of our worst ever signings. 
And I think in this uh, kind of fortnight of, of two defeats on the bounce, we're bringing a bit of light relief. Those of you with a long memory will remember a player who we once signed called Ned Zelic. He was our record signing for 1.25 million around 95-96. He subsequently bombed. Why are we speaking to him? Well, we're speaking to him because because he bombed. I wouldn't say he's quite become a cult figure, but he's always cited as our worst signing ever. And we have spoken to him once before, and he approaches it with very good humour uh, uh, and kind of laughs about it. So we're going to have a couple of words And everyone else said no, I presume. Everyone else, no. <laughs> no. Is that, I just thought I, I'd bring him for your birthday. Do you know what? I was thinking the other day, why don't we get Bob Malcolm on, Gus Caesar, and Steve Slade? Just, just to... I don't know, just to bit of light uh, Also, <laughs> we want to ask him about uh, Massimo Luongo because he played several times. I think he played about 40 times for Australia. Oh, no, you got an angle on it. I like it. We've got an angle on it. In the meantime, though, let's talk about... Well, let's start with Sheffield United. 2-1 defeat on Saturday. Why doesn't the birthday boy start us off? That's you. I know. I'm just looking surprised. What are you kidding me? Um, I, I think I said it on Twitter. I've seen worse... And I've seen a hell of a lot better. And I'm just sick to death of losing and dragging my poor, poor child to QPR. Where at times I look at her and think, you know, if social services get hurt of me, I'm in deep shit. Um, I know she loves it. And I did say to her at the end of the match, you know, if you, if you don't want to speak You meant her. because of taking her to QPR, right? Not for <laughs> any other reason. Well, being a self-employed fan driver is probably enough reason. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, take her to QPR and... Um, making her life full of flowers. But I said to her, like, you don't have to put QPR on. She went, oh, stop being such a bloody drama queen and get over it. I've seen worse. So you kind of look at it from that perspective, I think. And she pointed out that she didn't think Bidwell was very good, the German was very good, but a bit slow. And she did this whole analysis of the game, which I was quite impressed with. And then she just turned and said, you just need strikers, you need wingers. And she went through it. And I thought, okay, mm. she does take notice. And one thing she did pick up on, and I picked up on, was how poor the crowd was. For a first game of the season, that atmosphere was as flat as a pancake. Um, it wasn't a good atmosphere. And I, th- I just think that we have... I think it was if you were in the Sheffield United end, wasn't it? Well, they probably couldn't believe their luck. Um, it's kind of one of them things we and I started to think that we we have got defeat fatigue big time. I certainly have. And it would be nice to start the home run off without a defeat, but we haven't. And um, we go again, I suppose, at West Brom. And obviously got Peterborough tomorrow night. I just worry because... You can't say the truth on Twitter because you come on after a game, you lose, and you go on there and you say, I'm really pissed off. And you get people, you're not a proper supporter, you need to support, you have to be patient. Well, Chairman told everyone he's packing in two days before the start of the season, and he tells us all to be patient, and he's run out of patience. So it's, it's very difficult to be honest in the QPR Twitter thing because it goes from one extreme to the other. And I think it's okay to go on there and say, we were pretty unlucky we were pretty lousy and we're sick of losing and we're great we're marvellous we're going to win the league you could all do that in equal measures as long as you're kind of a wee bit respectful of who you're oh. attacking and don't attack individuals as, as, as thing. but the one thing that really disappointed me on Saturday was seeing young Smith get hooked not because he's no one Irish I just with this policy of playing youth I think hooking him at half time is a really bad move and it does give him five minutes in the second half then hook him if you have to but I just think that must be pretty lousy in the dressing room you know, at half time to be sitting there when, when basically the Belgians are saying it's your fault, you're not coming back. Do you know that that happened? Well, I, you know, you, you presume, don't you? I mean, he didn't look like he was limping or anything, and he, he wasn't having the best of games, and he was getting pushed off the ball way too easy because he was being played, in my opinion, in the wrong manner. Um, I did hear that one or two people saw him limping a little bit after the game, but 
that's you know that's second hand, so I, I don't know. I think the, the the disappointing thing for me was that uh, how little of the game we actually got going. And first twenty five thirty minutes, uh, we just really struggled to put a pass together. Um, Matt Ingram, I don't want to hammer the guy, um, but he, he he did have a shocking time with his with his distribution. Uh, I hope he can get back on the horse really quickly. That sort of like 10 minutes, quarter of an hour at the end of the first half, uh, I thought we actually started to play some really, really nice stuff. Freeman was getting involved. Um, and, you know, Eze had a, had a couple of shots on goal before he actually he actually scored. Uh, and it actually felt like we were starting to purr a little bit. Um, you know, and then, well, we all know what happened, don't we? Flo? Yeah, I would kind of disagree with Finney just because... I think what McLaren was trying to do was bring us out a bit. We were looking really narrow and Smith was getting dragged in. Yeah, the half time change. Smith was getting dragged in centrally and he obviously thought if he brought on SA Samuel, we would get some speed, although Smith has speed as well, but we would stretch them a bit down the channels. Obviously it didn't work out that way. I can kind of see where the idea came from, but I don't think it made much of a difference. Um, I was quite frustrated to be honest and I think we're, it's going to be a long, hard season. I think we're in real trouble. We say every season, I know you're right. Going back to that point, personally, I'd have took Mass off and I'd have took Silla off because I thought they were shocking. And then I would have put um, Smith down one flag and then Samuel down the other flag. Mm. But, we, you know, to feed what exactly as well. I'm, I'm kind of saying this and as I'm thinking, is Matt Smith the striker that's got to jump on that? No. We then have to look to him. There's a bit where their keeper palmed it in the second half, and there was no one near him. Yeah. And it just more or less went for, you know, just went about six yards. That shouldn't happen. Yeah, Mass got hardly any of the ball. We barely touched it the whole mm. 90 minutes. And I don't know if he's still tired, even though he didn't play at all during the World Cup, or he's, he's just wished he'd got a move and he's kind of pissed off to still be there. I don't know. But we look exhausted, and it's the beginning of the season. Now, I don't know if it's everyone just been on really nice holidays. We had a training camp, and we actually didn't get too many poor results in pre-season mm. so we shouldn't feel like this but we're playing like it's the end of the season we're dragging our feet in the ground we look miserable I think I think the problem <laughs> for me is I mean there's a guy looked let's not say <laughs> looked because there, we're two games in yeah, but, um, it's, it's like the wee lad at, at Raid by KK you know he, he sort of he did it absolutely fine. Yeah. He did nothing wrong that I could see. You go on Twitter and you look at the people going, what game are you at? He, he did nothing wrong. He was so exposed at times because there was nothing in front of him stopping their winger coming down. Did any of them do that much wrong? Ingram, Ingram made some distribution he's not, errors. He's he not did. that sort of keeper, though, is he? He's obviously but, not that kind of keeper. But, but the general point I'm getting at is I can't look at a whole load of players and say you were terrible or you did something hugely wrong. They... they, they they tried, but is it just? Was it just a case? And and I am not on the let's get carried away. We're we're going all that business. We're only two games in, but we had five players go. Five players of reasonable quality go, and we've replaced them with one player, arguably of comparable quality. Is it a case of the squad that we have is weaker than the squad we had at the end of last season, and it's going to take them a bit of time to? to gel and pull it together. Well, that pisses me off because you had pre-season to know what was going on. We knew Anuel was gone. We knew the, the others were gone. Anuel is probably the biggest loss. Um, and we, we knew that we didn't have a goal scorer. Like last season, we're starting this season and we're kind of pinning our hopes in. Right, Matt, Matt Smith will, will knock it on to a question mark. 
You know, is it going to be, is he coming in from midfield? Is it going to be Young Smith? Is it going to be this? Is it going to... Too many questions and not enough solutions. And that's not a weak squad. That's poor recruitment. And now we're going to have to go into the loan market. Well, it's and, no recruitment. Well, whatever way you look at it. And you've got to go into it now and you've got to say to yourself, right, we're now going to get held to ransom and loans. We're going to be paying big loan fees because we need a decent quality loan player to come in now. And most will have gone. So we're going, to, we're going to get absolutely muddled. I'm just disappointed in the recruitment. I think Lynch can do better. I think Freeman can do better. And I think Matt can do better. And they're senior pros and Bidwell as well. I'm not saying they were awful. Based on Saturday, Paul, you are getting a bit carried away. You're talking like we're no, 10... I was impressed as well. But you're talking like we're 10 games in or 15 games in. There's two, there's, we're two games yeah, in. And after the Berlin friendly, right. everybody was pretty happy with how that went. But so that's we're two football, games in. And don't forget that the team we played on Saturday lost their first two games. So even, they would have, they would have, they would, you know, and then they won their third. So Even more reason to stop being a frigging charity. You know, I, I just think that we, I'm not being wholly on negative, I'm being honest and straightforward. We're going to have massive problems unless we sort our shit out pretty soon. Because you lose two games, you lose three games, you lose four games. When is it okay to panic? Probably after seven or eight games. That's fair but enough. we haven't lost those three games, four games, five games, six games, seven games yet, have we? We have lost two games. Right. So And we've scored one goal. All right, one goal scored. Everyone knows we need a decent centre-back. Everyone knows we need a decent yeah. striker. Everyone knows we've got a winger who's, Powell, who's just floating around Loftus Road on a Saturday talking to fans. So what's going on there? I was going to bring that up. I just don't so, think so he's so in, in favour, is he? I just don't think McLaren rates him. Pardon my lack of statistical knowledge. How much did he play pre-season? Don't um, think at all. Really? I don't think he featured, did he? I don't think he did, but I, I mean, I don't know off the top of my head. But I don't mm. remember, basically, I don't remember seeing him in any Instagram shots. That's as much as I can <laughs> say. But I don't think, I don't think, I agree with you, David. I don't think anyone played that badly. I think there were loads of errors. I was just really disappointed with the energy. Mm. Just felt so flat. And I think it's not that the players we have are terrible. They're just not good enough. That's the problem. I think Darnell Furlong being injured and having Kakai there, he lacks the final ball and mm-hmm. that's not his problem he's just not got it yet and every time he was running down the wing he has great pace he has great energy he's really motivated but his final ball's not great and neither is Darnell's really but he's got a good long throw so mm. that's always going to be an issue for us but I don't think anyone was particularly bad I was just sort of felt there was so much missing that's the problem I just I just felt the elements of the team weren't, weren't clicking together um, I, I really like Lastner I think he's a big he's a big positive at the moment um, but I don't think he's necessarily on the same wavelength as, as Lynch and the other defenders. Uh, the, and, and the midfield, really, for a midfield that really should know each other, that's that's kind of based around Freeman, Scarron and um, Luongo, uh, they just looked like strangers on Saturday. I was really surprised. You see, we're playing two defenders midfielders in Luongo and Scarron, and we didn't get hold of the ball. Mm. You know, And they kept coming at us, and we were losing every midfield ball. You know, that's... That's to me is pretty ridiculous. You might as well put someone out wide and run at home. You've got to attack teams. You can't even sit back. And Sheffield United couldn't believe the luck. The penalty was a friggin' disgrace. I mean, to give that, you'd be given 15 penalties a week. It's shocking. But that's unfortunately what happens when you're, you're, you're on your lowest. You're kicked in the nuts every time. And it's just really frustrating because I think there's a team in there that need to start playing for the places, that need to start stepping up a wee bit. 
you know, we, 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 they're still decent enough players. All right. So to, to finish off this bit, what do we now need? Based on Saturday, what, there's, a, there's what they are now selling to us as a loan window, which I don't think ex- ever existed before or nobody talked about it like that. But basically, we've got two weeks where we can get... It's plan B window. We can get, yeah, it's plan B window where we can get half a team in. By the way, I tend to disagree about us getting done over in the, with the loans because... And that they'll be held to ransom because that's why we probably didn't sign anyone because they wouldn't be held to ransom. They've made this decision, haven't they, that the finances come first, finally, you might say. So I don't see it being any different in the loan window. I think think they will be prudent at the expense of getting players in, Not, not what you're saying. I disagree. Well, I guess we'll see. I disagree recruitment. What do we want? What do we want in the the loan window, TM? I think my concern is the approach of the loan window itself, mainly because Neil Warnock always used to say he hated getting loaned players in because Uh. they don't buy into the philosophy. And not for the last few seasons, I've never thought as as much as now that we would get get relegated as much. I'm really concerned. I never felt like this before at the beginning of the season because last few years we started quite well. So my biggest concern is if you're in a battle to, to survive loanies are not what you want if if you can get a great Spurs Chelsea young guy but Chelsea are sort of changing their approach now and they don't want to loan in loan out as many players because they've got hammered for doing it in the past and they're trying to bring up more like Hudson-Odoi and, and players like that so I think we're going to struggle to find loanies that well, really want to prove about are themselves older players. But, and, and where what might be an advantage is McLaren is connected in this area, sorry, Steve. I, would, I was just going to say you, you mentioned um, Carl Walker, uh, I can't remember who else. Andros Townsend, yeah, Andros Townsend. And they were they were players very much on the on the up. If you look at who we've been linked with, uh, Angel Rangel, thirty five, on so certainly coming towards the end. Uh, Hamed, mm. you know, I don't actually he's know. young, he's young, but he's, he's a good player. He ha- a good but, player. You know, yeah, he, he hasn't made a big name for himself. Mm. Um, and right led who is certainly you know coming towards the end of his career, coming towards the end of his career too so uh, it doesn't I, I don't think we're going to we're going to get a like a a hot young player I just don't think that's going to happen or if we do it's going to cost us big money I think the, the problem is with, with the loans we talked about before was they came into a side that had men in it who knew the championship who were, who were going yeah. and winning and had a and knew what they were doing and knew what they were going what we've got now is, 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 is kids that need to be nurtured, but we said it last week, we said it again, we need to be a lot nastier, but we need senior pros to start acting like senior well, pros. Well, then that makes the case for Angel Rangel, Chris Martin, if that's to be believed, yeah. Wayne Routledge. I'll tell you something, the time-wasting from Sheffield United was absolutely appalling. And, uh, you know, okay, we all, we all have a moan of what, you know, the uh, Oppo gets up to, um, the gamesmanship. But what we really lacked on Saturday was someone who would go and get in the ref's face. So someone, you know, like, like a, it should have been Leicester, really, but, you know, someone like an Alan McDonald to go and get in the referee's Steve, it wouldn't have made a difference, man. I mean, it did the same thing, Chef. I'm pressed, and I think what you've got to do is have a strong referee yeah. who will then say to the keeper, you're booked. And he does it again. He reads him. Until yeah. the referee started doing that, it's going to continue. But we were like, we were kind of bystanders to all of that. I didn't, I felt that we could have been shouting and screaming at the referee a lot more and, mm. you know, making our case that this was piss taking. We should have been smashing them, saying, now you're injured. Yeah. Yeah, we let them get away with it a lot. We just gave up, really, with the last 10 minutes. Do you think we uh, could have scored slow, though, even if we'd have played for another 10 minutes? Not in the second no. half. Not a chance. Um, See. Um, now for some light relief. 
this sort of what seemed like a good idea at the time, but it, Is this it, one of your it, jokes? it might work. No. So talking of signings, I'm going to cast your mind back to when we made the cl- a club record signing for 1.25 million or 1.5 million. I can't remember which one, but it was one, one, it was a lot. one and something. It was a lot of the Les money. So for those of you too young to have been there, in 1995, we had lost Les. Correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen. Yeah, we had sold correct. Les Ferdinand to Newcastle United, and our manager was uh, Ray Wilkins, RIP. Um, and he had he unveiled our record signing, Ned Zelich, who he famously described as versatile as an egg. And for those who weren't there, just remind us uh, the sort of impact that he made, Steve. Uh, not much. He was. He was. He played eleven games. He was always That's injured. He came with an amazing pedigree. I think he'd won. Uh, the Bundesliga with Borussia Dortmund. I think he won trophies in three separate countries. Great signing and has since been cited as a terrible, one of the worst signings. Why is he on tonight? Well, he actually approaches it with quite good humour. We interviewed him several years ago and he kind of put his hands up and said, yeah, guys, I was terrible. So we thought, have a bit of light relief and speak to him again. And here he is. Ned, thank you very much for joining us. You have got a lot of stick over the years from QPR fans and you've become a sort of uh, uh, byword, if you like, for uh, unsuccessful signings. Yet, you were very happy to come on last time. You're very happy to come on again. Um, uh, Fair play to you. What's your memory of your times at QPR? Um, Well, I can uh, can vaguely remember our conversation that we had uh, all these years ago and um, it was actually good to be able to kind of give a bit of insight um, and explain the the circumstances that pretty much um, surrounded um, that brief stint so why why don't you do it again because as was pointed out to me today you are it's not fair to say you're one of our worst ever players but it is fair, uh, and you can argue if you disagree, to say you were one of our worst ever signings. And you came on and you gave the context. So give us the context. Well, it was more or less um, a situation where I, um, you know, had a few... I wanted to leave uh, Dortmund. I had another couple of years left on my contract, but um, uh, the the chance... um, popped up to basically sign for QPI. I had really good discussions back then um, with um, Ray Wilkins, who unfortunately passed away, and um, and the manager as well, Clyde Berlin. And, uh, you know, I'm, I mean, I sort of went through a phase where um, to get a work permit, I actually had to be outside of the country. So I, I believe I spent close to three weeks in Germany, still training with my club. Um, at Dortmund waiting for a work permit. And it was kind of, um, and I guess everyone in life um, makes decisions where they go on their gut feeling. And um, to be honest with you, I I did not have a good gut feeling about it, just those three weeks waiting for a work permit. But I thought, you know what, Um, I'm a young guy. It's, It's nothing. Maybe it just has to do with... Um, yeah, you know, just changing countries, moving somewhere else. Uh, I've been at this club for three years and, and basically put it down to that. And, I mean, the unfortunate thing about the whole stint was the fact that, um, you know, obviously I had some issues with my knee. 
um, had to have an operation, came back. So it was it was kind of everything um, was sort of pointing towards a, a miserable st- a stint. But <laughs> uh, you know, and and to be and to be critical, uh, you know, of myself, which I have been, I didn't really. I, I tried, but I didn't really. Um, get out of that sort of negative type of mode, you know, because there are a few things that I weren't happy with and all the rest. Now, I mean, I, I believe I explained to you guys last time um, uh, when I spoke to to you guys on, on, on the podcast, I mean, and that's where the club sort of realised, uh, I remember Clyde Berlin, when I, when I told him what I wanted to do, um, sort of realised how miserable I was there. The fact that I, I just suggested, look, um, I have not given this club. I mean, I believe I played what four games, two games, two full games, and two off the bench. I believe it was. It's about two hundred and fifty grand nothing. a game, Ned, isn't it? I've done, I've done nothing for this club. I've done nothing for this club. So I, um, it's only right for me to pay back my, the signing fee that you guys gave me, and to turn this whole stint. Uh, which has been a miserable one, but also uh, for me personally, a financial disaster, which it was. And it was. Did and, you do uh, that? I deserved it. Is that what you're saying? Did you pay back your signing on fee? I, 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 I thought I told you guys this last time around. No, definitely not. Club, no. I left the club. I left the club, and I remember I was still, uh, I was still making. Uh, transfers because I, I moved um, to I went back to Frankfurt on loan and then I moved to France so I, I actually paid back uh, a final installment while I was still in while I was in France at my new club in France and I remember actually speaking to one of the women at the office um, because you know I had to get some account details and all the rest and she was like uh, completely flabbergasted and couldn't believe what I'd done but I did it because I didn't deserve the money, you know, and uh, I did not deserve to leave London uh, making any sort of financial gain. So that that was that was what I did. And, um, uh, you know, I, I guess after um, doing that, which I didn't have to do, but um, I, I did it purely because I didn't deserve that signing on fee. I've done nothing for the club. And, um, wow. you know, sort of people... People, people at the club then sort of realise, wow, you know, we, we know you haven't been happy here. Things just haven't worked out, you know, um, which which happens, which happens. But, and, and Ned, and, don't want to don't want to don't want to put you under yeah. pressure to say exact amounts. But back in those days, what sort of what sort no, of I'm level not, was no, a signing gonna, on for? I'm not going to talk about I'm not going to talk about amounts. I mean, the fact of the matter was I paid back my signing on fee, like the lump sum that the club had given me, um, you know, and uh, and that was it. And that was okay. it. I mean, I, I, you know, I had big ambitions of um, going to the Premier League and, and, and doing well. But it was just one of those situations where just nothing worked out. You know, it was just one of those stints where nothing worked out. And I was sorry um, about, um, you know, about sort of people who put in a lot of effort to sort of make me happy and this and that. Um, And the fact that I sort of um, couldn't pay them back with, um, you know, sticking around longer, playing well and all the rest and, and being happy there, that was sort of the most disappointing thing about it. Um, but you know, I 
I left and I had to get on, on with my career. It was, it was just a, a challenging period. Um, and, and I had to get on with my career, which I did, which I did. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy with the way my career progressed. But that was just one of those moments where, you know, um, like I said, things just did not work out. But I'm still following the club. I'm, I'm following the results. I'm reading a lot of reports and this and that. Um, I, I'd love to see the club do well. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Ned, Ned um, my, my name's Steve. I've got a question for you. Um, you, you, as you mentioned, um, Ray Wilkins very sadly passed away last year, and uh, uh, he was a, a great fan favourite as a as a player, and uh, obviously managed us. Yep. I just wondered, I just wondered if you had any 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 memories of Ray that you could share with us. Any because um, you, know, you know, maybe was he instrumental in bringing you to the club, or did he? Did he help you through what was obviously quite a difficult time? I'd just be interested to know your. He, he's your the memories. manager who famously called you versatile as an egg. Yeah, yeah. No, he was a wonderful man. He was a wonderful guy, and um, you know that's. Uh, I, I felt really bad when I left because Ray had been so supportive, um, and I'd really felt that support from him. And um, I, I thought, uh, I, I thought he was, uh, you know, just someone that you could pretty much if you had an issue call him at three in the morning and he'd have no problem uh meeting you somewhere to you know to help you out that's the type of man he was um and i was i was really saddened to hear uh um when he passed away um because he's uh, obviously a legend in football as well i mean i never forget watching him play you know um for ac milan for england for you know man united as well and and just his history as a player was just uh, amazing. And uh, that was the unfortunate thing as well. You know, when I left, that things just didn't work out with Ray, uh, you know, us doing well and being successful um, because he was just such a, such a great guy. Ned, before, before you go, we want to ask you uh, about our own current Australian midfielder. So you, you played, uh, if we've got it right, 34 times for Australia. We have Massimo Luongo here. Uh, at QPR, yeah. what what do you think of him, and and what uh, although he's been with us for a couple of years, what what should QPR fans be expecting from him in the next next uh, couple of years? Well, look, um, I mean, he's been there, he's been there a while now, and obviously he's a player with experience now, experienced in playing a championship football. It's a tough league to play in, and I mean, you guys have experienced it now with. Uh, the first couple of games, I mean, it's an unfortunate start to the season. But, um, you know, he's got he's got a job in his hands as well this season because of, uh, you know, some of these young players that are coming through, some young, exciting talent. Um, and uh, that's going to be the challenge as well for McLaren, you know, to basically um, mould this team into a side that, uh, you know, we all know McLaren loves to play possession-based football and that obviously suits uh, Luongo's style. Um, but, uh, you know, if you look at football today, um, it's just not good enough to kind of knock the ball around your own half. You, you actually have to start playing vertical and, and get up the park quicker because teams are just defending a lot better these days. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's uh, mass can do that. Mass can definitely do that. And uh, I, I certainly hope he can uh, put in a good season for the club. Um, it's Paul here. Just one quick question. Why do you think he didn't get any um, time on the pitch in the World Cup? Why he didn't get any time? Yeah. 
Well, uh, you know, funnily enough, he was. I was actually at uh, the friendly international that uh, Australia played against Hungary in Budapest. I was there um, doing some stuff for TV, and uh, he was actually before that game. Everyone was certain that that Mass would be playing uh, that first game of the World Cup, unless uh, you know an absolute disaster happened in Budapest. I mean, it wasn't a disastrous performance, but he didn't play well that game. And that sort of opened the door again um, for others to, to come in. And, um, you know, I, it was just one of those situations where the Socceroos played quite well, actually, against France. Uh, it was an unlucky loss. And then, uh, you know, everyone was fairly certain, and the coach as well, Bert van Marvik, he's just got a style as well of uh, sticking with the same eleven. And that's exactly what happened. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Mass was the victim of, um, of the team performing quite well against France um, and, and probably should have won the game against Denmark. And, uh, that, that was it. It just set off a chain reaction that led to Mass uh, not playing, which is unfortunate because uh, he performed really well uh, against the Czech Republic, it was, where Socceroos won 4 0. He was one of the best players, and everyone was certain Mass is going to play at the World Cup. So. It was just unfortunate uh, chain of events. Uh, Ned, thank you for your time. Quickly before you go, I've got one last question. Quick yes or no. This is from Lee on Twitter. Did you really think you were signing for Glasgow Rangers or Queen's Park Rangers? <laughs> uh, yes, I was certain I was signing for Queen's Park oh, Rangers. Thank God for that. Can you imagine? Um... Ned, thank you for your time. Always appreciated. All right, take care. And thanks for the uh, story about the signing on for you. Very interesting, which I don't think anyone's heard before. So uh, great. No problem. Great to hear that one. Thanks a lot and good luck. Thank you. Cheers. See you You didn't thank him. What for? (laughs) You didn't thank him for everything he's done for the club. Everything he's done for eggs. Yeah, you're right. I missed an opportunity there, didn't I? We were talking before we came on about the fabulous Australians we've had at this club. I mean, maybe we dodged a bullet with Sainsbury because, well, I suppose Longo's done well, but the other ones have been like Nick Ward. pretty dire, yeah, haven't Nick they? Nick Ward's the only one I can remember. Great hair, though, Nick Ward. Nick Ward is currently... Yeah, we, we looked him up. He's, he's currently playing in the Indian second division at the moment. He's still 30- playing more names, then? Yeah. Who else was Australian that played for us? George Colsar. Oh Jesus! He's a year older than you, Finney. He's a year hey, older George, than you, George Coulson. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, he he looked like he was born looking like he was forty. Yeah, like I can talk. Yeah, but, you know. And we think that's it, right? No, we we've had more than that. We've had more than that. We've Maybe. had somebody else. Anyway, carry on. Okay, right. Let's move on. Uh, loads, loads. Let's talk about the stadium. Because uh, Steve, you you you've got quite involved with this. So so the context is the club made an announcement Thursday, Friday was it? Uh, Friday. What did they do? Release a, what they call a white paper? Is it or something um, like that? Yeah, it was two things really. They uh, did an interview with Evening Standard where Lee Hughes uh, talked about um, how Loftus Road is unsustainable um, uh, financially for us to go forward, and then. They released a booklet, which is um, it's like a non-technical, non-non-financial booklet, uh, and it's it's aimed at fans, but also the wider community, uh, and makes the case for why we need to move from Loftus Road. Uh, and it's, I mean, I've I've seen the document. It's 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 actually a really good read. 
Um, and it's a very honest explanation, I think, of, of why we need to consider moving on and for, for what, what the reasons are. And you have... You, so your interest in this is you have formed an independent group. Tell us about that. Yes, yes. Which um, you're on as well, Finney, I gather. Uh, use your suspects. Not, it's not real. Oh, right. If Finney's not on it, it doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. Um, the... <laughs> There's a there's a there's a there's a group of six of us. It's called um, a joke, Paul. No, it's don't not. Worry. People actually believe that nonsense. Go on. Um, so I'm just going to say say who's on it. Uh, Gemma Fumagali, Sarah Benchfield, Clark, Safa Mikal, and Colin Speller. Um, and we're we're just really a bunch of like-minded people who we're 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 long-standing season ticket holders and members, and we firmly believe that there's a role for uh, a fans group to support the uh, the club in their um, I guess their efforts to, to 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 build a new stadium, and we'd like to see that that stadium within the borough and within W12. And so, our fans group is called quite simply "Stay in W12." It's it's simple, really. It, it, it's it's not even that complex. We're, we're facing a time with a very uncertain future regarding Loftus Road because the old girl's tired and she's not looking good, and it's clear the owners. And possibly the next lot of owners aren't going to do anything to the stadium. And it's just going to get to the stage where we're... we're I mean, I love the place. I mean, Christ, I'll cry my eyes out when we leave, if we ever do leave. And we've got one last chance of staying in W12. This is it. Um, or if, sadly, it goes horribly wrong, we could end up on the A40 corridor somewhere. And that's the reality you're facing. So it's a case as well that fans can have their say because then when these everyone says when these grounds are built oh Jesus they're awful I don't like it this this is your chance to come on board and help design the future for you your children your grandchildren and leave a legacy it's about a legacy more than a move Steve can I ask obviously the fan support is really crucial but what are they asking for in terms of support? Is it because they're worried about groups campaigning against it? I mean, what can we do? I know, obviously, people power is, is quite important, but what can we actually do to try and push it through? Um, I think it, it, it's early days yet, uh, and I think we'll need to see um, a little bit closer to when we've got concrete proposals that are going through. Uh, I draw everyone's attention to what's happened at Warren Farm. It's taken ages and ages, and there's been a, quite a lot of local opposition. Um, there is a there's a really key role for fans to, um, I think, reassure the community that, and the the, the, the people who use Wormwood Scrubs and the, the the people at the hospital that. Sorry about that motorbike outside. <laughs> we have the windows open on this warm summer's evening. Carry on. There's, there's an opportunity for us to to communicate with. Uh, with so with with the community to let them know that there's a real benefit from uh, from us being within their community. Obviously, all the the QPR and the community stuff that we do is is really important, and that can be expanded. Um, but there's also a big role for fans in lo- quite simply lobbying the council. Um, ultimately, there is a a, a board, um, uh, the charitable trust of women with scrubs that will that will decide on its future and um a number of people who sit on that are also councillors so there's 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 a kind of a political role there's also a reassuring the community that this is this is actually a good thing for the community if i may play devil's advocate for one moment a lot of people will be asking the question why do we need to leave loftus road we are 
not certain that we will not be at the wrong end of this division at the end of this season and not certain that we won't um, unfortunately get relegated. We don't fill the current stadium. Yes, there is no, it is dilapidated, but presumably the cost of doing it up, the cost of redeveloping it is a lot less than a new stadium. So what is what what is the need now for this new stadium i would uh, i'd strongly recommend everyone go and uh, have a look at that document which was released on on friday by the club the thing is is that there's really not anything that you can do to loftus road which will increase the capacity one iota you cannot um you cannot build upon it you'll never get the the planning permission to be able to to, to extend it also um, over time the actual um, people people will say we don't need to to uh, to um, I- I increase the capacity of Loftus Road because we're not filling it yes but um, I think if you look at other clubs um, I think like I think Reading is a really good example that um, they used to get really tiny crowds at, at Elm Park and that really was a a hovel and over time um, you know they move to the Medeski and I'm not saying that they fill it every week but they get significantly more of the Medeski than they did at Elm Park and the fact that we took 40,000 people to Wembley uh, in May 2014 tells me that there's a lot of latent support out there that doesn't mean we're going to get 30,000 every every week but the thing is is that Loftus Road limits the potential for, for the club to grow uh, and it, you cannot you cannot add I think I think what you've got to cast your mind back, and sorry for me going back to my niche market of the past, um, but we've been threatened many times with mergers. We've been threatened to even be moved to Milton Keynes once. The reality is that if you have someone that comes into Rangers, there's not a lot they can do at Loftus Road, but it's prime retail development site. So you are leaving yourselves wide open to be taken advantage of. Mm. That's one side of it. The other side of it is it's uncomfortable at times. I love it. Listen, I love the place. I don't want to leave. But I want to see, when you go into the club and you see how where the community department are working from and you, you, you kind of see the, 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 the working environment, you can't help but think if we could take this away and do more things with the community, bring people into the club more, make it more of a community-based thing, we can maybe stop people running around Shepherd's Bush with bloody Arsenal and Spurs and, 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 yeah. and them lot shirts on. We have to go to the people with this. If the fans don't want it, you know what? That's fine. They come back, they tell us, we're happy to stay at Loftus Road. It's grand. Really? You think this should be, you think this should be a democratic everything, decision? Everything should be done with the fans. Everything. Okay, but co- consultation is one thing, but you're talking about it being a democratic decision. It has decision. to be because if, if, if people, because the only thing that ever works, in, I remember once we did a thing where it was one QPR and the, the people at QPR at the time said to us, you'll never raise enough money to bring a player into this club. You, you mm. must be mad. Right. Our fans don't care enough. Away. Go away with you. Um, it's not going to happen. We did. And we worked bloody hard. We got accused of everything. We got trolled. We got hammered on the... Pr- everything. Anyway, everyone was, a lot of people were against us, but more people came with us. And it's got to be fan-driven. Yeah, yeah, but you're saying something different. You're saying you've got to sell it to people. You've got to bring them with you. Okay, got, maybe I used the wrong words. Yeah. But if people don't back it, and then we don't leave Lost Road, and we don't get another chance, that's fine. Yeah. But then in 30 or 40 years' time, we've, we, we could look back at Lost Opportunity because there's nowhere to develop in our area. Well, I think if you look at what they call non-match day income, it's just stark. 
You know, there's it, nothing. It's, it's not you go into Loftus Road in the week and it's dead, and that is because a it's terrible facilities, b there's no parking, um, and there just isn't a lot. And don't to forget, offer. we we have a council that has three football teams, two of them in a higher division than us, mm. and slowly but surely we're losing relevance with local authority. We still have a chance now that we can change things, but. When I say fans-driven, fans have got to get involved. Mm. They've got to back it. They've got to have the say. They've got to have the belief in this. Otherwise, we're not going to change anything. And we can do it. It's, uh, easy, it's easily done. you just got to channel it in the right way. And on the political side of things, we need to put to the test to the council. When they've said in the past, uh, you know, we want to keep three professional football teams in the borough, we, we do need to put, put it to the test because this is almost certainly our last chance of staying in the borough. Uh, and if we if we if we don't get this opportunity, unlikely that another another chance will will come about. As someone who's close to it, as in I'm talking about, you're closer to mm-hmm. it than I am. Please tell me that there's people involved with it who know what they're doing. I don't mean your group. I mean the the group at the club trying to control this because the few the last few years when they they had this ridiculous. Um, plan about Old Oak that was never going to get off the ground and, and anybody could see it and you had a load of arrogant property guys yeah. swanning about saying it was going to happen please tell me they know what they're doing this time well I'm, I'm actually pretty confident they, they do know what they're doing I wasn't that keen on the Old Oak proposals I thought they were you know there was a lot of hubris going on I thought you know they felt that uh, uh, that you know it was 40,000 too big it was about almost building a new town out there um, the club under Lee Hoos is, is making a, a really different type of effort. So this time there's a lot of there's a lot of talking to the local community. They have been around talking to local schools, local groups, etc. Mm. Um, I know Alan Senderak has been very closely involved in in that communication process, and that's before we've even got any firm plans on the table. It's about winning hearts and minds, and that's really what we're going to need to do to get this off the ground. But I just wanted to come back to the point you you may flow, and it's a really good one. Um, I think we can eat, just look at. Uh, to, uh, Brighton in particular, but also mm-hmm. Brentford, and look at the importance of actual sort of fan, fan groups have had in securing their own stadiums. I mean, with Brighton, it was a it was a long period of time that was needed mm-hmm. to, to get the political will, but the, the Brighton fans group were right behind that and right in the centre. And again, I think that's why there's a really so, big role for us to play. So, what do you want? You want people to follow you on social media yes, or please. go onto your website? So, go on, get, get, do, do the plug. Do the plug. Do the plug. Okay. Well, the, the, we've got a brand new website, and it's not quite finished yet. But it, www.stayinw12.co.uk, all one word. We are stayinw12 on Twitter, um, and we have a stayinw12 group on Facebook and on Instagram. We also have Just an e- email address, which is stayinw12. Stay gmail.com it's not actually it's at at virginmedia.com alright okay we'd love to hear from you and um, we'd we'd love to love to get a feel for how much support out there and and, and what people can do basically if you think the phrase stay in W12 someone will find you somehow yes the the other thing just to add one last thing is it's not only our last chance it's our only chance and that is because no one that's the same thing isn't it well it's our only chance of moving together as as a club yeah. As one, as one, because 
whether you like the owners or you don't like the owners, we have a chance to change it ourselves. We have a chance to go forward with it. We have a chance to change minds, and we can do that. And we, we've got to give them a chance. And I think that is a really good idea, and, and the plans I've got of bringing in the community is something that why Old Oak failed miserably, because it was just driven to, to raise money and sell houses. Let's be honest, call it what it was. This is a, something that could be built for legacy and for the fans. We all know how great our, our community trust is. Um, they can do so much more if they have the facilities. And this is mm. one, of the, one of the big things that the community will benefit from these plans. Ours end. Make W12 ours and nobody else's. Ours end. We're at the ours end mm-hmm. of the podcast. So a couple of things probably we haven't picked. So you can, you can uh, go through what you think. This is the part of the show. Anything and everything that we haven't brought up. Anything you'd like to get off your chest. Um, I think we should give Flo a, a bit of a lead in. So Steve, you had your, you had your hand up. Go for it. Uh, no, can you give me a minute? <laughs> well, okay. So let let me first of all um, thank. I didn't mention who bought us the beers at the top of the podcast. So thank you to Dominic Lawrence. Anybody who does, uh, much appreciated. Anyone who wants to sponsor the show or buy the beers, go onto our website qprpod.co.uk. Click on support the show, and you can do so there. And don't get it mixed up with stay in W12 because we'll get confused. Don't get it mixed up and stay in W12. Ask us tomorrow, and we'll we'll, we'll put something on the homepage of the website for the stay in W12 group. Um, Tony Fernandez tweeting angrily in the middle of the night. I'm visualising an angry man, possibly with a drink in his hand, in his pyjamas, tapping out angrily at his keyboard, not in the way you do, Paul, late at night in your pyjamas at your keyboard. To Clive saying, my time at the club is fast coming to an end. Well... Well, you've got your hand up on that. Yeah, Steve. I have got my hand Go up on, on that one. So this can be this can be my R's end. Go on then. Um, we'll I, share it. I don't. I don't think we have anything to fear from a post Fernandez world. There's one proviso on that: is that um, all of the money that him and and his friends have put in that that they don't try and claim it back or claw it back in some way. My own hunch, and I don't have any evidence for this other than you know what I've seen with my own eyes, is that I don't think Ruben's going anywhere. Um, you know, he is the he's the majority shareholder. Uh, he seems to be in for the for the long haul. I could be wrong. They could they could the Malaysians could sell lock, stock, and barrel tomorrow. But I, I interpreted I, it as that. As yeah, well, I, and, and so now. and so really, I from my own um, from my own perspective, I think yeah. Thank you, Tony hasn't worked let's move on and I don't think we have anything to worry about he's not gone yet he says a lot of things he said he was designed when Mike Rigg didn't work and he didn't um, he also said he'd hang around and would, would be at the club for many years my only worry is I look at the history of catering Catering, catering, catering. I'd love to look at the history of catering, <laughs> but that's a different podcast altogether. I gave you that one on a plate, didn't I? Catering, his yeah. his his uh, motor racing. He kind of did the same thing there. He kind of he he he, he, he threw his dummy out and, and walked. And I, I really hope he doesn't do that with Rangers. I hope, like Steve, my only concern is that we're left in the dire mess of complete stupidity in some of the deals that were done at Rangers. And you know, if he leaves with his head held high, the only way to do that would be to make sure that we're not ridden with debt. And we can go forward. Um, that would that worries me because I still don't understand. I know they keep saying things, but I'm an idiot. You know, I'm not very good with maths. I failed school miserably. I would feel I much happier if Amit Bhatia was more involved on a daily basis. You say that, and I agree in some respects. But, but have they? Has he got the personal money? It's a big ask. I know the Mitchells were involved before. They didn't exactly flash the cash. 
You know, people have got to forget this kind of thing. The richest people in the world, they're not stupid. You know, and it's got to be done in the right way. If Amit isn't prepared to play in millions, which will will have to happen, then someone else will have to come in. Was that your odds end? No. Uh, we'll, let you, first. We'll, let, we'll let you finish because it's your birthday. Flo. Oh, you didn't mention it. I don't really know, to be honest. Um, I mean, going off the back of the Fernandez um, aspect, I feel sorry for him a little bit, actually. Um, I think he didn't really realise what he was getting himself into and he should have just Wikipedia'd QPR and he would have found out a lot in about five minutes. And I think this happens to a lot of people that own football clubs, mainly men who have a lot of money and they use it as a toy. Same with his F1 team. And they don't really understand what they're undertaking and you do have to put a lot of your own money in. I mean, that's what Abramovich has done, which is what the state of Qatar has done. So I think he's just completely naive about what he was doing. So I kind of feel sorry for him. And then he has the kind of also naivety to bother to go on Twitter and reply to people. I mean, why would you do that? Why? It's like only Donald Trump does things like that. So I... (laughs) I kind of think Tony's sort of um, dug himself a bit of a hole and the sooner the better, I think, if he can get out because I, I don't think Air Age is doing that well either and um, I think he's kind of drawn a veil over, over his businesses saying that they make X millions but, yeah, I think maybe he should, he should get out quite soon. Paul. I like that. That was sensible and, and, and rational. It's very unusual for this podcast. It is, and I'm scared that people are going to start to take this seriously. Don't do that again, Flo. No, Please no, make a rational no, rant no, like I do. Don't worry about that. Okay, okay guys. Don't worry about you say, hey, brother. Going back, just one quick thing of Fernandez. Look, I said at the start, and I got, I got hammered on Twitter. I remember it well when I said, be careful, Tony. Football is notoriously terrible for ripping people off who think they know business because it's not like a business. It is shark-infested waters. And the agents and everyone else was queued up to do him. Most important thing is, if Tony does hang up his checkbook, that we're left in a sound financial footing. And he needs to be clear on what that equity to debt means in simple, basic terms. Are you leaving and zeros? We don't owe anything. Or are you leaving? And then the person coming in is not buying the club for a pound with a £500 million pound debt. Mm. That's got to be sorted. That's got to be black and white. And that needs to be the drive forward. If it's Ruben, I think it's more likely to be Ruben than anyone, if I'm being brutally honest, because he's the one with the money. And if you keep doing that, I'm going to break your pencil. Um, <laughs> and anyway, enough. I'm trying to be serious Was here, that you your end? No. You I had two goes on. You had one go on Steve's R's end, one go on, on Flo's final point. So make yours. Go I'll on, make Paul. this one flow slightly better. That's Very a terrible good. pun. Very good. I'm sorry, Flo. You can hit me in the pub. Um, catering. Like, that's why I got the mistake of the F1 team and catering. Yeah. And also because I'm an idiot. I went to Rangers on Saturday, sober. So I know this. I know this to be true. Why did they give the catering contract to Dick Turpin? Because them prices are ridiculous. It must be like a 40% hike or something. And is it, it a new operator? I didn't buy any food on Saturday. I don't is, think is at this rate. It's gone out. Five pounds for a cider or a beer, and it's a wee tiny bowl. Review it, QPR, and drop it. My last hour's end. Yeah, it won't be. Yeah, It is. Yeah. But thank you for your confidence. I'll yeah. keep talking very slow. Go on. And drag Neil, Neil wants into, to go home. I'll drag Neil into oblivion. Um, is... Atmosphere, 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 atmosphere. First game of the season. It should have been buzzing. We need to have Loftus Road rocking. You can talk about the players, you know, relating to the crowd and vice versa and everything else. 
but we've got to make this atmosphere better. If we are going to be in for our backs against the wall, then we need to be the 12th man and a very strong wall. Thank you, Paul. Now, finally, in only using four numbers, predict the scores for Peterborough tomorrow night, who've won two out of two, mm-hmm. and West Brom, who've played three, one win, one draw, one loss. I'll demonstrate. Peterborough and West Brom will be 1-0, one nil, one all. Why are you talking slowly? Because I had to think it through before right. I said it. 1-0 one and 1-0. One 1-0, all. One nil, one all. 1-0 to Peterborough? 1-0 to QPR, 1-0 draw. I think we'll Paul. lose both. It's positive. Flo? I really hope we win tomorrow night, but I'm quite worried we might lose. But I'll say I'll say 2-1 Rangers tomorrow and then 1-0 on Saturday. And 1-0 tomorrow night to Rangers and 2-2 on Saturday at West Brom. Okay. I mean, nobody really paid any attention to the four numbers rule, but that's fine. Uh, thank you very much <laughs> for uh, joining us. I think next week we got some, we got a game and we got some technical problems. I think we're talking about doing Wednesday. We're definitely not going to be here Monday and we're definitely not going to be here Tuesday. So probably Wednesday, but TBC. Thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been Open All Ours. Yours. UPR. UPR. Rangers.